0: This is the Art of Charm podcast, a show where we bring you actionable tips and strategies on how to better connect socially, boost your emotional intelligence, navigate social behavior, and how to pitch this week to crush it in business, love, and life. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise, packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a concise curriculum each and every week. I'm AJ and i'm
1: johnny not only have we been doing this podcast with great tips scientific proven social strategies and amazing guests we also have been delivering live and online advanced emotional intelligence training programs for over a decade if what you have learned on this show has helped you in your life imagine well, one of our tailored programs can do for you. To learn more about these advanced social skills programs, go to the bootcamp for more details and
0: sign up for our newsletter.: Also, we are now doing corporate training. So if you're interested in our team, including myself and Johnny, coming to your office to work on team building, conflict resolution and networking, send me an email, AJ at the A happy office is a productive office. Take your life and the career that you want to the next level now. Now, just before we start the show, I'd love to take the opportunity to reach out to our audience members who work in the psychology fields, either as a psychologist or a therapist. We have some fun projects that we're working on, and we'd love your input. So go ahead and drop me a line again, aj at ajattheartofcharm.com. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into this week's show. Johnny, I've really been enjoying this month on leadership, covering a range of topics. I know last week's conflict resolution episode was really popular, and I'm really excited about today's guest.
1: Well, what's not to get excited? I think all of us have sat on the couch eating some Cheetos, watching some crazy television show and wondering, how does this get made? How does this get I, would, I wish I was in the room when that thing was being pitched cuz I would have loved to know how that made it to air. And and what a surprise. I mean, we're we're talking to the guy that was has been in that room a million times and he literally has wrote the book all about it. So it had, and of course, in this interview, and I'm excited for our fans to hear it because it had me looking at everything that I do and the way that it is being done in order to see if I can make it more
0: concise and more to the point. And that's just it. We are pitching whether we like it or not. Yeah. You may not be a Hollywood producer, you may not be going in and pitching your entrepreneurial ideas on Shark Tank, and people have a lot of misconceptions around pitching. But if you can't, Share and sell your idea at work, you're
1: dead in the water. Well, it's funny. I there was an email had came in about a week ago, literally on this about pitching uh, some ideas to a social circle about some 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 events that this person wanted to do and was asking for the best way to do it and to go to that to your example there of that we are doing this on a daily basis, whether we like it or not, and whether we
0: know it or not. Today, we have Brant Pinvidic with us. He's a world expert in pitching ideas. He's worked over two decades as a Hollywood producer and has been involved with over 10,000 pitches, selling more than 300 TV and movie projects. And he's now teaching his pitching techniques. His new book, The Three Minute Rule, just came out a few weeks ago. Johnny and I loved it, and we're super pumped to have Brant on the show today. Well, hello, Brian. It's hey. great to have you with us today. Oh, I am excited. I know Johnny and I really enjoyed your book, Three Minute Rule. And yeah. we found that in this month's theme, leadership, pitching your ideas is such an important skill set. Yeah. And I know a lot of us, when we think about pitching, we get very nervous.
2: Yeah. And I think the idea that the word pitching sort of invokes the idea that you're like a, you're a sales guy or something. It's like... Anytime you try to influence anybody to do anything, anytime you want to convince someone of your way of thinking, like that's a pitch effectively. And that's, you're, you're trying to convey information for the, for the betterment of your process. And that's, you do that every day, trying to convince your wife or your girlfriend where to go to dinner, trying to do anything with your brother-in-law or family. Like that's all pitching and presenting. It all sort of wraps up in the same thing.
0: And a lot of us, when we think about pitching, we think about PowerPoints and data and all this information and what we love about the book. And we're going to dive into it is how simplifying it, getting it concise and getting that information shareable is really the name of the game.
2: Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's even less about the idea of making it short. It's more about showcasing the idea that you can simplify the information. And in today's world where everybody's trying to shout louder and mm-hmm. say more and get bigger, it's like somebody who can simplify their information and let it stand on their own. Like it's, that's loud. Like people are drawn to that. That that's where the, that's the new sexy, simple as the new sexy. I say, you know, like clarity is compelling. You want people to be drawn to you. You don't have to say very much.
1: Well, it's also in our nature to expand everything and bring all this data points in it. And, I know that even in going through this and reading it, I had to remind myself several times that, that I've known to cut things down, but it's just, I think it's just natural in us to, to just cram as much in. Yeah. It. Oh, yeah. Also, uh, for somebody who's, who's done some editing, whether it be for audio or for video, um, there's so many pieces that you're able to cut out and still get the same effect across. Yeah.
2: I mean, have you ever watched the director's cut of a movie and thought, oh, wow, thank goodness those extra scenes were in there, right? Like there's a reason because you get partial to your information. You get precious, and then you can't understand the process of somebody new taking in the information beat by beat and piece by piece. And I, I struggled with this in my own book. The guy who wrote the book on this, like my yeah. intro was supposed to be four pages long, three minutes to read, and my first pass at it was nine and a half pages long. And it was because I had just written the book and I felt so excited. And when I wrote the intro, it was so clever and I wordsmithed it so beautifully. And I was like, you know what? Maybe my intro is the one thing in my entire history that could be longer than three minutes. And it's like, no. And I literally had to go back to the very beginning and start my exercises and do my post-it notes to get that intro down to the proper three minutes. And it's just, it's not easy when you know your information so well and you kind of fall in love
0: with it. Yeah, you're too close to the problem. Yeah. And of course- we talk about this all the time. Social media is shortening our attention mm-hmm. space. So yeah. probably the next version of the book's gonna be 90 seconds. <laughs> exactly. Right? Like- Everybody's already
2: in the two minute rule now. <laughs> so they've already got it right <laughs> there And what you'll find out there in the world today is that the marketing and the media and the social media and the promotion and the clickbait is a raging rapid of information <laughs> that people have just tuned out. And When you find a way to say things in the simplest way that clearly you're not overselling or overstating, people are just jarred. They're just like, whoa, like you must have something going on because you're not like promising me ridiculous things to try to hook me and try to capture my attention. You're just giving me the information.
0: The information must be good. And it allows the person receiving the pitch to think for themselves.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. which they're going to do anyways. Like the world is not like it used to, you know, it's like if I was trying to sell you this mug before and I would tell you it was like shatter resistant to uh, 9,000 degrees and 4,000 PSI of pressure, you had to decide if you believed me, right? Because what are you going to do? You gonna know, go down to the library and grab the encyclopedia and do some research tests on it? Like, no, I had to believe you. Now, it's like I go on Google in two seconds and be like a uh, PSI thing of a mug. And you'd be like, yeah, this mug is not capable of doing that. Yeah. And there's four of them that are cheaper. so. It just makes so much sense now to let your audience make their decisions. No one's going to let you sell them. No one is going to let you sell them anything. No one's going to let you sell. That's it. No one's buying anything if you're trying to sell it to them.
0: In an industry like Hollywood, where it feels like they're now making TV shows about everything. Yes. And the pitching is just anyone can walk in now with reality television. Before, there was a select few You were in the
2: the guard gate with the moat. Right. If you were in the (laughs) castle, you got to do it.
0: And we get pitched constantly to, to go on reality TV yeah. and do all these shows. Cutting through the noise in Hollywood yeah. and staying relevant is a huge challenge.
2: Very, very
0: difficult. And obviously, a lot of what you see now is like one great idea and then seven other spinoffs of those ideas. Yes,
2: I've done that myself.
0: <laughs> exactly. So how was your Hollywood journey and how much did reality television change things for you?
2: You know, what Hollywood taught me was – That the idea that you could like personality your way through and, and Hey, yeah, let's do lunch. Like good seeing you. Like the image of that, you realize really quickly that that's worth nothing. Like the network president will have heard a thousand pitches a year. And there was a, that's a great story. When I was in CBS about to pitch and out of the room walked Simon Cowell. And I was like, oh, damn it. I have to follow Simon Cowell into a pitch meeting. This sucks. And as we were talking, he kind of looked over my shoulder and was like smiling. And I turned around and there's Mark Burnett had just walked in. And I realized like, oh, my God. I'm like, Mark Burnett's going to be coming in after me. I'm wedged between Simon Cowell and Mark Burnett, right? And I'm like, oh, my God. And I got this sort of wave of panic of what am I going to say? Like, how am I going to be interesting or dynamic? Like what sort of snappy snap stories are going to impress these people? Like none. I'm going to look like a fool. (laughs) And so I remember thinking like, I got to get out of this room. Like I got to get in here and get out of here as fast as I can. And I just walked in and I was just like, okay, here's the idea. Here's why I think it works. Here's why I think it works for CBS. And here's how we're going to produce it. And that was it. It was like a nine minute meeting. And I was out, they bought the show. And I remember thinking like, Ooh, that went over really well. Like I like that energy. I got to do that some more. And so I started developing that system where I would just really focus on the idea, pitch the idea with passion and like, let that sit on its own. And then the next thing you know, I'm getting this reputation. My agents call me like, people think you're the best pitcher in town. I'm like, I'm not doing a lot. Like there's no magic tricks, no smoke and mirrors. Like I don't have any lines. I don't have any closing ideas. I don't have any special elevator pitch techniques. It's just like, I'm just really good at explaining what an idea is so that you understand what the idea is. You probably aren't going to buy it because that's what TV's like. Everybody says no, but at least they understood the idea. Right. And that I found so much more rewarding. And then when I started teaching that to other industries and other people and CEOs and stuff that I realized, like, that's all they're looking for. They just want people to understand their idea the same way they do.
1: Well, to go along with that, the more data, the more facts you're putting in, the more information you're filling this up, I think it also takes away from your ability to be passionate about the project because you're trying to get all these data points across.
2: Yeah. and And that's a big mistake I see people make is there's two sort of forms of information. There's the information, the value, and then there's the engagement, And you can only engage with somebody meaningfully after you've made a decision based on their information. First, you got to conceptualize the idea. Okay, what is it? And how does it work? Then you got to contextualize the ideas like, okay, how does that work for me? Is it real? Does this actually work? And then you got to actualize it, meaning like, okay, I actually want to find out more. I want to get a little bit deeper. I need to talk to my wife. I got to bring a board meeting, like whatever it is that that next stage is. But, like, you can't have these in-depth, engaged conversations with someone until they get those three sort of value pieces in. so they understand the basics of it, now they want to get nuanced. And that's why you can use a three-minute rule, make a great pitch, and then still have an hour meeting. That's fine. But the first three minutes is what counts (laughs) because they're already making their decision. And sometimes as you guys – I mean, listen, you're shaking your head. You know it. Mm -hmm. Somebody's come to pitch you something and you've already decided in the first 15 seconds if it's a yes or no. Absolutely. And that's like, that's because we focus so intensely now and so efficiently with our short attention spans. It's like, if I give you my attention, I want valuable information right now, not giving it to me, bang, I'm out. And and I'll make my decision. Like, I don't want to deal with this. So really the three minute rule is like, can you extend someone's decision-making process before that, yes or no? To maybe three minutes if you do it really well. It's like you got to do it well. You got to tell a great story. You got to lead people. And if you do it right, you can. You could get three
1: minutes. I mean, we're, and to go along with that, I mean, even the advertisements on YouTube that you have to grab attention in five seconds. Yeah, that's all. And you know. how
2: many times have you clicked? Like you won't even wait to five seconds. You're like click mm-hmm. click 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 click. You know, because they're trying to sell you something. Mm-hmm. Whereas I always joke on on stage. I'll have the picture of the Titanic, and it's like. James Cameron put you in a seat for three hours to watch a movie about a boat that you know sinks. Right, we knew the ending. Okay? Mm-hmm. And that's because when you're telling a story, when you're leading your in, your information, when you're, leading your, you're informing and leading your audience, right? You're building to this conclusion. And advertising has always done the state and prove. I'm going to mm-hmm. state something really awesome and then I'll prove to you how I'm going to give it to you. And that was fine. If we had time machines, we could go back to the 60s <laughs> and 70s. That might still work. But today it's like you make – any kind of claim or promise the first thing people think of is like this is bullshit right away mm-hmm. it's like in our nature now and i i We're can't not- even talk about clickbait because nobody even falls for clickbait anymore. You said this whole thing in my in my keynote speech about clickbait, and I had to change the whole thing because no one falls
1: for it the way they used to. Well, to go along with that, I mean, even if you hear a claim, your automatic response is to Google it and yes. see if it's true. That's right. I mean, it's right there. You, yeah. don't really, you don't have much work to do.
2: No, and it's like, so making these big proclamations the way advertising is done just has negative effects now. And it says a lot about you. And this is why you're pitching, while you're trying to explain your valuable information, your audience is poking holes in it and judging you and wondering if that's even true. And like, it colors everything. And it's just not needed anymore.
0: Now, obviously we're not here to batch. we're not here to bash short attention spans. No. And there are some good adaptive qualities around these short attention spans that you speak to in the book. Could you talk a little bit about that?
2: Well, I think what happens is, is that Like I said, like we actually aren't mindless zombies with these like distracted easily. It's actually, we just want to do it efficiently. If I, if I give you attention, I want my information that I want. I want what I want. I want to be entertained. I want to be informed. I want to know what it is I came for. And that actually provides some tremendous opportunities because now it's not about your personality. It's not about the tie you wear. It's not about your neuro-linguistic programming. And I actually have better time with clients that are introverted. The extroverts like me, with persona- like a big personality, are pain in the ass because- like, They wanna I, play that game. They wanna, they wanna play to that game. And, but it's even more than that, they- They'll use that as a crutch. They'll use that as a defense or as a shortcut if they don't have the information right. And it's like what I used to do if I couldn't quite get a pitch right with a TV show and I would – it would be more like, oh, it's in the casting. Oh, we'll we'll figure out the casting. Or I'd do a challenge-based show and I really couldn't come up with a great challenge to really illustrate it. I'd still go pitch it anyways and just be kind of like, yeah, we'll get challenge producers to figure it out, (laughs) right? And because I have a a big sort of personality, I can – I used to try to power through that. And so I'll meet, I'll work with CEOs that are big personalities and they'll try to power through. And it's like, no, back up. Like the reason why you have to put on a show is because you don't have the goods. It's like, and you think your show actually wins you something, it doesn't. The goods are really what, you want to talk value, somebody has the goods. I, I have biotech scientists who literally could put you to sleep if you let them talk to you for more than 10 minutes. But when they put out their information in, in this format, it's like, whoa. It sounds so great because they're, they're not trying to do anything else. Just give you the goods. And that's what our society wants. And it's a huge opportunity.
0: And how did the three-minute rule come across for you? Like, how did this come about?
2: I got asked to work with an oil and gas company. And the, it was an investment bank guy. Sounds he said, exciting. Yeah. And he said, hey, can you help my clients do what you do? And I was like, no, I can't help anybody sell reality TV shows. He's like, no, I want you to help my clients pitch their ideas without putting people to sleep, without ruining it. And so I went down to Florida and met with his client. It was the worst thing I'd ever seen. I can't believe this (laughs) poor guy was in front of these sort of like 18 to 20 of these institutional investors and family offices. And and he was trying to explain why his oil and gas company is some you'd want to invest in or buy his stock. And it was a disaster. And it was like awful and embarrassing and painful. And and so when I worked with him to be like, hey, you know, you you might want to reorder your information and change this. And I, I just looked at it and broke it down like I would a TV show. And he left me this voicemail, and he was emotional, and his voice was cracking, and he was just like, "You changed my life. I used to be so miserable having to go on the road. Now I'm excited to meet people. The stock's up. My wife thinks you put something in my drink. Like, <laughs> I'll I'll never forget what you've done for me. And I was just like, What the hell? Like, no network president has ever said anything <laughs> like that. Not even close. And I always make the joke like I'm sort I'm really close to being a caveman." So my ego was just like, Ooh, Brent, mm, like that. We want more people to say nice things. And so I found like, if I worked with people in other companies, they would be like so appreciative and it, I could see, I could see it changing right in front of them. And if you, you know, if you make an investment bank or some money, like you got a lot of friends, like they had more than enough clients from that point on. And I just realized like, Oh man, this is what I want to do. I just want to there's something freeing. I can see the frustration in people's face when they love their idea and they know what they're doing and they have a great product, business, or service, but they just can't make other people understand it. And it's just like, it's it's been really cool for me.
0: They get in their own way.
2: Oh my God, do they get in their own way?
0: And yeah. what I love about the post-it notes and the idea of reducing it down, distilling it down to something that people can actually share with other people. Right. right? That's yeah. the key to all of this. It's like, if you're just going to fill it with jargon, and only a small select group of scientists can even follow along, Yeah. well, those scientists are going to go share it with their neighbor, share it with the investor, right. and find you that opportunity. That's right. So the game of telephone is is also important when yeah. we're pitching our ideas.
2: Yeah, and it, and it forces you, right? Like when, when I do the bullet point exercises, and I'll do it in my workshops or whatever, but it's like it forces you to just use simple bullet points points in a couple of phrases. And you give somebody those. They don't know who you are. They don't know what your business is, and they pitch it back to you like pretty close. You're like, what the hell? And even in the book, like I do, where I take one of my clients, and it's a plumbing company, and it's like, here's his 30 bullet points. Like, I bet you could tell me what his company does and why it's valuable. And you can, or I, or I give people a, like 20 bullet points from a TV show, and you have no idea what the show is, and then you're pitching it back. And it's like, you could have said that to the network, and that would tell them exactly all you need. And it's very revealing when you see how much information is just contained in those bullet points, because the story you want to tell from A to Z does not need every letter in the alphabet.
0: Well, that was the story of Extreme Makeover that was yeah. so compelling was here you are in the room. All these ideas are swirling. Everyone's yelling at each other. Yeah. And you had this eureka moment. And you're like, you know what? I just give me five minutes. That's right. <laughs> just give me five just, minutes. In the world of pitching, I'm sure that's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, five and it was like, minutes. I'm driving
2: up there right now. Like, you just got to – just let me in the office. and I, And I – I remember pulling the bullet points off the board, being like, these are the only ones I need. This is it. This is the whole show. It's, it's, we're going to follow them for a year. They're big, bigger, bigger than the biggest losing contestants. It's the biggest transformation. Like, I didn't need to go into all the nuances and sell it. And that was the first time I really noticed that piece come to life, which is like, oh, if I simplify this, like, I could actually convey the value more effectively.
0: And there's an implicit trust that one the listener is going to follow along and two, that the team behind them can produce this thing. Yeah. Like you don't need to spell it out. Like these are the scales we're going to use. And this is the personal trainer we're going to use. And here's how we're going to fly them. They can figure all that out. And by
2: the way, we had to have those conversations, but that was later. Like when they were actually into the show and like wanted it, they bought into the concept. They knew how we were going to do it. They figured how it was going to work for ABC. And then it's like, okay, now let's talk about how we produce this. And like that engagement stuff comes later. Like that's fine. But you just got to get it in the first three minutes.
1: A bunch of brains in a room can figure those things out easily once they're all on board. Yes.
2: Yeah. And that's people will then engage with you from a place of desire. Like mm-hmm. They'll want it yeah. to work out. They'll want your conclusion. And it's the same way when I talk about if you watch a TV show or like a CSI or something like, you know how it's going to end. <laughs> it ends the same every single week but you want it to end that way because you've gone through the journey. The information has led you and now their conclusion is your conclusion. That's what you want. You don't want the bad guy to win because that's not the way the story's told. And you can do that with your business or product or service whatever. It's like you can lead people to that moment. And I always say like, never start with the hook of your story. Bar Rescue is a perfect example where it's like, I didn't walk into the room and say, Hey, John Taffer is the Gordon Ramsay of bars and restaurants. It's like, people would have been like, He is. All right, well, let's hear him. Let's talk about it. Like, it would have been, you know, whereas I went through, it was like, Here's the show. Here's the way we're going to produce it. You know, here's what John has done. Here's his history. Here's a little tape on him. And so the network president literally said in the
1: room, Oh, so he's like our Gordon Ramsay for bars and nightclubs. I love that. And you're like, that's right. And let me ask you this. I, when I heard that, my first thought was if you present it in that manner, they have a picture of, of what, how they view Gordon Ramsay. Right. So if John is anything other than that, in his yes. own way, it doesn't work for them. That's so right. They're like, no, well, he's not. Right. But if you let them put it together,
2: it's. It becomes, they they're looking for that conclusion as well. Like they're following your information, looking for the ending. And so all you can do is lead them to the ending you want, Mm -hmm. that conclusion. Then you're all on the same page.
0: Well, You mentioned earlier the state then prove model. right? Can you break that down for our audience who's not familiar with it Yeah. and and why it doesn't work any longer?
2: Yeah, so think about it like an elevator pitch, right? Like what do we used to think about of an elevator pitch or how we've been taught? Is I see you in an elevator and it's like I lean in and go, I have an investment that can make you 10 times your money (laughs) by the end of the year. (laughs) What do you think? And the guy goes and leans in and goes, ooh, tell me more, right? And it's like, is that the way that goes now? Like, no, right? Somebody leans in and says something like that, you're like, oh, God, leaning out going like, this guy's full of crap. Now, he might even have that. But the point is, is like now that he's stated it and now he's going to try to prove it to you, in today's world, in the hypersensitive consumer and the hypersensitive audience – They're met with skepticism and disbelief. You, You can't get away from that. The years of bombardment of total crap marketing and over the top has ruined it for us. So there is no more of that. So by stating and proving, you end up telling your audience what's gonna happen. Like I've got a big claim, now I'm gonna try to prove it to you. They already think it's not true. Not a very good place to start. And that's why I teach informing and leading. Let the information start and then lead them to that Statement, that grand statement, because they might get to the point where they go, like, oh wow, I could probably make like 10 times my money, maybe even by the end of the year. And you're like, Yeah, that's right. That's basically what I was trying to get you to to understand. So, and that's why advertising and Madison Avenue and those guys have had so much trouble because they're slower to come around, because in their mind, the 30 seconds, it's always been like, I gotta grab you with something big, and then I try to tell you. But now it's like, well, 30 seconds is a bloody eternity on if you're watching an ad or a YouTube video commercial. So there's lots of time to get your
1: information out. What's interesting about that. And even in for the psychological work that we're doing in our programs, if if there is a cognitive process that's flawed, say that there's a uh, cognitive distortion it's holding them to have a belief about themselves that is just wrong. Yeah, you can't point that out directly because they start to rationalize why you're wrong. Exactly. And, whereas we start asking them questions about the why they think that way, right. they'll always get to the conclusion that oh wait, what I'm saying is wrong. Right. And then they can start unweaving and untangling their own, own cognitive source. Yes. And that's why I say like it, you guys might not think about what you do as a pitch to
2: clients, but it's like it kind of is because you mm-hmm. have – you kind of have the solution for them. Mm-hmm. And if you come out and be like, here's your solution. And then they go, oh, I don't like that solution. And then you're trying to prove it to them. It's like they're resistant. But if you walk them through –
0: You'll get there. I think the other key point in all of this that is hard for people to wrap their head around is just the simplification of it. Mm-hmm. And it's even when we try to teach social skills, it's like, oh, but that sounds so simple. It's like, but you're not doing it. Right. Yes, and- this pitch sounds simple, but you're, you're not-, not doing right. it. Because you're overcomplicating it. The simplicity
2: requires like a complexity on its own. I always joke, like it's taken me 20 years to learn how to say things in three minutes. Mm-hmm. But the simplicity conveys a level of confidence exactly and it goes both ways to get simplified you need to have the confidence in your information and if you are simplified in your information it conveys that confidence and i say like if i was trying to cater your wedding and i had gordon Ramsay to be the chef how many words would i need to convince you of that right four i have gordon Ramsay. How would I walk in that room? How would our meeting go? Would my chest be like sunken and slow? Like, or would I big smile on my face? And You know, like I'd have a level of confidence because all I need to say is, hey, I got Gordon Ramsay, right? And it means I'm, I'm not using a lot of words. I'm not trying to sell you on it. Now, if you look at a different way, let's say it was my brother-in-law who was an ex-convict who just got out of prison, didn't really cook very much, but really needed a job. How many words would I need to sell you on that, right? And how is my confidence going to be different? And I'm going to be trying to sell you. And you, as the audience, are going to pick up on that. You're going to pick up on my need and my desperation. You're going to pick up on my body language. You're going to pick up on the words I use because I'm using a lot trying to sell you. And so what I try to get people to understand is that whatever you're trying to convey to somebody else has value somewhere on the scale between Gordon Ramsay and my brother-in-law ex-convict and the more words you use will show your audience where you fit on the scale. And so when you learn to basically say less, you actually show your audience that you have more confidence and that is compelling to people. And it's and it's real. It's not like phony bravado, right? It's like what I'm about to explain to you is good enough that I just need to explain it to you nothing else. Like that just cuts through like a knife today
0: and it's saying hey audience i know you're smart enough to put this together right i don't need to explain it to you that's right you're smart you're smart and you're it's get good. this and i'm excited to share this that's with right. you
2: and it's that good because if it wasn't that good i'd be trying to sell you on it because that's what you've learned is that people who are trying to sell you crap will just endlessly try to sell you crap they will try to develop closing techniques and they will you know objection techniques how to get over these things like Yeah, we know all those things. It's not going to help. If you use my name over and over again in a sales pitch, like, it's not helping you. And we used to teach people that. Oh, yeah. Like, could you imagine doing that
0: today? It's unbelievable. Well, it, it makes you cringe just yeah. sitting on the other side. Just like, please, stop. please stop. Please, you're oh treating God. me like an idiot, yeah. and <laughs> oh I don't God. like it. That's right. Now you're the idiot. That's for right. Treating me that way. That's
1: right. I think uh, there's something else to be said of of when you keep it simple. It allows the other people to start to, to take action, and the more yeah. you complicate things, or the more information that's going on. It's all of a sudden this, this project that you want me to buy in on
0: sounds like a pain in the ass. Right. Yes. Now they're thinking about the simpler action. Like, what am I going to have for lunch? Right. Oh, I <laughs> pick my daughter up from high school. Yeah. Okay. Like that's yeah. what they're thinking about. They're not like, Oh, let me string together this theory yeah. that you just put together. Yeah.
2: I have an exercise where I have people take their favorite movie of all time. And no matter what they do, no matter how much they want to try to explain it, you can't get past three minutes. Like it, it that's it. That's all you have in there. Everything of value is about three minutes. So whatever you give to somebody in your meeting, when they go to explain someone why they're interested, they might have three minutes. (laughs) So really all you want to focus on is like, okay, what's the simplest version of this to keep them from saying no, from wanting them to go talk to their wife or their partner or schedule another meeting or let the committee decide or ask for a proposal, like whatever that next step is. They most likely will say no to most things they see your job should be like, can I get them to stay interested long enough to get more informal? So if you think your business is really complicated, that's fine. But the beginning and the opening of it doesn't have to be. We'll get to the complications later. And then those complications can be really valuable. They can be the thing that make people go, oh, my God. Like, that's amazing. Like, you can get people into that mode because they understand it the same way you do. And until they do that, it's, there's no value there.
0: And the thing is, is, this is not saying don't do your homework. This no. is not saying don't prepare, right? You hear oh, three it's, minutes. It's like, oh, okay, I'll just oh, walk in the way, tomorrow. I'm not
2: kidding. It's not easy to do. Like it's easier than you're probably making it at your listeners right now because they're probably making it super hard. But it's not just about making it shorter. It's about, okay, if I could extend somebody's decision-making process, what is the most valuable information I could have in there? If the black hole opens for a finite amount of time, how much stuff can I cram in there before it seals shut, Right. And if you go through your information, and I have a great – some I have good exercise, great exercise, depending on if you like it, (laughs) that show you how to take what you have and put them into statements of value, order them in the proper order in this whack order that I've created Mm -hmm. so that you can see, okay, this is the order to lay it in. That's how your audience is going to make this decision.
0: Now let's break that down because statements of value I think is a really important concept introduced early in the book. And I think if you understand this we're going to go into whack next, you really can – Put this together in a way that changes your career, that gives you more opportunity, whether you want to pitch in Hollywood or, hey, you got a great idea for your boss. Sing
2: it, there it is.
0: You know, so what are these statements of value and how do we derive them from our idea?
2: So after you've sort of broken it down into those bullet points that sort of give you all the ideas, and there's a couple of exercises that I use to really dive past your simple bullet points that you think of all the time. You really want to make those into statements. So it's like, if you're a personal trainer, your bullet point might be, personal trainer. And then your statement of value may be like, I'm a personal trainer specializing in celebrities or specializing in those for the movies or whatever that is, right Like you get a state one statement that has a valuable piece of information in it. And then what you find is if you have those statements of value, you have a collection of them, then you can start to be like like a puzzle. okay, well, what's the outside edges of the puzzle? You know where you put first and what's the middle? And as I walk people through that system, you can see like now, and I have people do them on index cards or post-its, where you can grab them and hold them and change them and cross them out and move them around in order. And you start to see as a sort of a living, breathing entity that you can feel the flow, like, you know, almost like oceans in the wave. You can feel it building as you go through it and you see these statements in front of you. And that I found really powerful for people.
0: So We have our idea, and then we start writing down bullet points on post-it notes. And you like the post-it notes because it doesn't give you much space. That's right. So you can't write a paragraph. (laughs) You can't put your fancy graph. That's right. You got to just jot it down. You get this collection of post-it notes, and now you're starting to subtract the ones that are repetitive, the ones that are just not very helpful. Yes. And you have your bullets. Now you're like, okay, how do I assemble this into an actual story that is compelling?
2: Yes.
1: What's and,
0: great about it is it's almost like a
1: storyboard.
2: It is like a storyboard. It's,
1: you know, it goes back to this editing idea. How Gosh. many shots you have are that are redundant, that are not adding? And if they're not adding, it's possible that they're there's right. and, and
2: you know, when you film stuff you connect
1: scenes and ideas that you're like
2: you thought those scenes needed to go together, and you're like, yeah, we don't really need that one technically. We could fill this gap. And that's what it forces people to do cuz you might end up In the book, and it's sort of like, it's a little bit of a reveal here, but I do tell people, hey, you're gonna start with 25 bullet points, but then I get them up to like 50 or more because I have exercises that get them out of your brain, the ones you didn't think of. Because what I want them to do is look at it and be like, oh crap, I can't say all this. And it's like, yeah, I know. That's the point. Like, you can't say all this. Let's start figuring out what you're supposed to say. And now they realize, okay, like, if I'm going to put it into these categories, like where do I put them? What things are the most important? Cause then you're like, and then, you know, as you know, like I have this cool test where it's like, Hey, if the fire alarm went off a couple minutes into your pitch, have you said the most important things? Or are you thinking you're M night Shyamalan waiting right. for this big six cents <laughs> moment at the end where you reveal the value? Like that doesn't work, you know?
0: Yeah. But then their assistants have come in again. Yeah. They're placing their yeah, lunch order. They, and this happened,
2: this literally happened to be at MTV. I had Brian Graydon in the room as the president of the network. I was pitching a show and burr, the fire alarm went off. And you know what it's like in an office? Everybody sits there and be like, well, there's a fire alarm going off. Like, but then it was like, Hey, no, Over I actually here. think we have to have actually evacuate. And somebody came in and said, Hey, they're, they're making us evacuate. Crap. So we go out and there's a thousand people in the parking lot and they finally clear the, the, the parking lot. Okay. You guys go back in the building. Guess what? Brian Graden didn't come back to that meeting. And I didn't say enough in those first minutes to get the pitch across. Like there was so much I wanted to say. And like, I ruined that chance because I didn't give him enough to make him go, oh, hey, I'm going to come back to this meeting. And I certainly didn't give him enough to say like, oh, I don't need to go back because I, I already have it in my brain. And that's why I started to develop like, hey, this is a good exercise because if you can't do that, you're toast because the assistant will come in and screw your pitch. Somebody will ask a wild <laughs> question, the cell phone will ring. You got to get those first things in place.
0: So what is this WAC acronym? Yeah. So, how do we put this all together?
2: Uh, it's a good one. It's, it stands for it's an acronym whack is w h a c that's the spelling and it's what is it how does it work are you sure and can you do it and when you have your statements of value you put them in that order because that's the order that you're going to explain the information and here's the easiest way to understand it when someone's trying to pitch or present or tell you a story or do anything any kind of interaction and they're trying to explain something to you how many times in your brain have you been going oh my god could you just tell me what this is like okay just what how does it work like, could you just tell me how this is and like what it is and how it works? Like your brain naturally wants those two things solved absolutely first. What is it? How does it work? And so in the whack method, it's like, okay, all your statements, which are the ones that tell people what it is on the simplest plane? What are the ones that tell you how it works? Like literally, how does it work? How do you do this? Okay, once we got those two things, Now your audience has conceptualized it and that's important. Now they're going to be like, okay, does it really work that way? Like, are you sure you can actually do that? Does this make sense? Like, wait, aren't there laws against that? Or like, well, wait, I thought I, I thought there's only four of those in existence. Like then someone's like, okay, I understand it, but now I want to verify there. And that's where you use your facts, figures, logic, reason that basically say, yeah, you know, there was a law passed last week or we actually have 42 in stock or whatever it is that says these are the validation of how it works and what it is, right? And then the last piece is like, can you do it? Meaning like, okay, well, what does it cost? Uh, okay, when can I get it delivered? Okay, well, what's the next step for us to work together? Or, okay, I want you to meet the boss. Or this doesn't work for me. Or, you know what I mean? This, I'm not the right person you should be pitching to. What, whatever that last piece is, that's where they're going with actualization. Like, okay, I understand it. I believe it, now I gotta decide if I'm gonna actualize this, what's my next step of action? And that's that's really the flow of anybody's rationalization story. And so all you wanna do is lay it out in that format
0: and people will start to understand it and respond the way you hope they do. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire?
1: You need Indeed. Lennon and McCartney, Jagger and Richards, Watson and Crick, AJ and Johnny. What about the perfect duo when it comes to growing your business? Well, that's you and Shopify.
0: That's right, Johnny. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling your own Fire merch or promoting your productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered.
1: Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and
0: sell more with less effort Thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, as well as millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries.
1: Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. And AJ, you don't have to just sell your stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from the brands that you love, giving your customers more variety
0: and your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash charm. Go to shopify.com slash charm now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash charm. When we're starting out and we love our idea, and we're so excited to share it with people, There are a lot of misconceptions when it comes to pitching. A lot of us have these visualizations of fireworks and this is going to be amazing. And I'm going to have this crazy PowerPoint. What are those (laughs) misconceptions that you dispel with your clients all the time?
2: I think the first one, well, there's two big ones. One is passion. There is just this blanket understanding that you have to be passionate about your pitch. And if you don't have passion, you're never going to get there, which is somewhat true, but really dangerous because passion isn't a blanket right? You don't throw it over everything because when you're trying to be passionate about something, you end up right on the line of making it about you and not the idea. And if you make it about you, that means people are going to start judging you more than the idea. And that's a really dangerous place to be because what you end up doing a lot of times is going into promotional passionate is one thing. Promotion is a different thing. And when people sense you being promotional, it's like you're dead. And so it's a tightrope You walk And what I explain to people is the greater your desire to achieve your outcome, the more likely you will turn passion into promotion because you really need
0: them to buy in. And you've bought in so much.
2: And so the greater your desire for them to buy in, the more likely you will say anything you need to to make that happen. And today people will pick up on that. So what I try to explain to people is be passionate about your facts, not your opinions. When you're passionate about your opinions, People will judge you. When you're passionate about your facts, they understand why you're passionate. They may not share it, but they understand it. And I've had so many people come into my office to pitch me a TV show, and it's a terrible idea. Now that happens every day, right? I've pitched bad ideas, but they're so passionate about it, about how it's gonna be amazing and how it's gonna be a hit and like advertisers are gonna be in it. They're so passionate about the bad idea that it's like, okay, it's a bad idea. And then I tell my assistant, I don't ever want them in my office again because they don't understand the process. And I was never like that. I was never like that in a network meeting saying, oh my God, this is, amazing. this is such an amazing idea. It wasn't like, it was like, hey, I've got an idea. Here's what it is. And it's like the parts that are factual, that you can't start the sentence with I think, or in my opinion. If you can start a sentence with that, you need to tone it right down. Cause it's like, in my opinion, I think this is gonna be really good, is okay. But oh my God, this is gonna be so amazing does not help your cause. Right.
0: And I've noticed, and uh, obviously watching Shark Tank, which is the ultimate right. pitch Yeah, in, in the book talks about this, the pitches are about three minutes. That's what our attention span mm, is. It's the editing and mantra. And oftentimes people get too bogged down in these big numbers and trying to prove to the right. sharks that there's this market because they drew these fancy yep. numbers and there's 5 billion people on this planet. So therefore this is a hit. Right. And that doesn't work. No. Because I don't need that information
2: yet. I don't need the $5 number yet. If I have all of the information, then I might be interested, like, oh, the market share is that big? Like, okay, it's some relevance, right? And what you'll find is, Shark Tank's a perfect example, is that people will feel like you've watched it, good idea. And then right at the end, they go, well, Sharks, who wants to dive in with me? And you're like, you can see Mark Cuban go like, oh, God. Like, they roll their eyes because it's like, oh, right, this is a pitch. Yeah, I forgot you've rehearsed this 500 times in the mirror and you're pitching everybody, you know, like it pulls people out of the story. Right. And you just don't need to do that. You don't need an ending. You don't need a fancy closing. You don't need to perform. It's just not necessary right now. Like if you lead your audience, they will get there. They'll want more from you. That's what
1: they do. You see some incredible stuff on that show. But that, it's not always the most incredible products that are going to get
2: No, and I've, and I've seen Shark Tank episodes where the guy screwed up the pitch so badly that I went to go try to find the product. <laughs> I, was like, I, can, I was like, that's a good product, but you, you messed it up so badly that it's nobody bought it and it's nowhere. And it's like, I remember thinking that, like that poor guy. And I remember him shaking and he was nervous. And I was just like, oh man, that was a really great product.
0: And I think this is an important sidebar for our audience is – you know, nervousness is OK if if you actually dial in whack and you can yeah. share the relevant information. We yeah. will look beyond the nerves and oh, my God, we no expecting one cares. nerves. So I think a lot of us get bogged down and like, oh, my God, I'm so terrified to share this. Oh, and yeah. oh, that went terribly but listen, if you nail this, if you nail the first three minutes in the whack, you could be shaking and you tell a story in the book yes. about a and scientist on stage. If
2: I had to pick one way or the other, I'd be like, I'd rather you stumble and nervous and sweat through your your clothes than be a guy, hey, how We're are you? Too like, Slick. Yeah, because there's actually it's and it's gonna get it's gonna get more in the future. Cause I can see the swinging, Is that if you're really bad at pitching and you're like stumbling. I might believe that you haven't pitched this very much or that I might have an opportunity here that you might not have. No one else knows Somebody else might not have seen this because you're kind of a dud and like you're annoying. And so this might be an opportunity. And I always used to make the joke about Canadians coming to
0: Los Angeles (laughs) as I'm Canadian.
2: I was like, hey, like when I first came here, the idea that I had, you know, a script and I had ideas, people genuinely thought, well, well, he's a Canadian. No one's ever probably heard these things before. They could actually be good. Whereas like if you were a native- person from Los Angeles would be like, well, if your script was any good, somebody would have read it by now, right? And so it's like, if you're terrible at pitching and awkward as hell, there's a chance people will start to think like, oh, wow, he probably hasn't got very good meetings. This could be a real opportunity, right? Because, and then if you are, I bet you'll do the work. I bet your whack method, and I bet your pitch is is dialed in perfectly because I have seen that with my own eyes. I have seen people who are absolutely unbearable personalities just Awful, But when they get the information right, it's like, oh, wow, they are not expecting people to like them or to be drawn to them or want to listen to them past those three minutes. And it's like it's so much more powerful because it's just the information.
0: How do you approach follow-up, especially for those of us who are a little newer in our career who don't really have a name or a network yet?
2: Yeah. You know, it's hard because that that is a fine line. Like it's not just the simplicity of that. That's like sometimes people need to be pushed a little bit. The problem is is follow-up has always been connected with closing. And closing has been taught, and it's a terrible thing because we'll tell your audience that there's a string attached. If I need to do this right now, there's a problem. And I make the joke where it's like, I don't do anything without checking Amazon reviews. Like, even if it's something that's not on Amazon or it's not a product, whatever, like, it, what's the weather today? I don't know, i got to check an Amazon review. Like, my world <laughs> is like, yeah. surround, and everybody's in that mode, right? So I'll go back to my Gordon Ramsay example, like, if I had Gordon Ramsay to cater your wedding, but I put a sheet of paper in front of you and said, but you gotta sign it right now. All of a sudden our conversation changes. And now you're like, oh, wait a second. Like, well, how long is Gordon gonna be there? Or like it's the Gordon Ramsay, right? And like, well, do you have him committed to you? Like, is it a like did he sign? Like, what happens if he candles? All of a sudden everything changes, right? So follow up, if you separate it from closing. Because there is no closing. Like people will close themselves or they won't. They already know you pushing is not going to help. And the Mm-mm. and the customers that you could push to close, there's not enough of them out there to warrant the kind of time and energy that you're going to be putting into it.
0: And on the flip side, they oftentimes are terrible customers. Oh my God. It's, if you've had to push them that yeah, hard a to disaster. the decision, that skepticism doesn't stop no. after they've paid you. In yeah. fact, it's even more heightened. And they're like, I'm ready for a refund. You didn't yes. deliver.
2: So I always go with the idea of like reminder- and asks, and that's about it. Like, hey, just reminding you next week, I'm going to be moving this, whatever, did you want to. Like, once you ask, you know, you know, right? Like, it's like, I and, I, and I won't share who it is, but I have a very good friend who has a popular media thing that I wanted to get on. I wanted to get on his show. And we talk quite a bit on text and I have asked twice and he <laughs> responded to a lot of other things in my text, but not, can I get on your show? And so it's like, yeah, I could call my publicist. I could call his manager. I could get our agents involved. But it's like, I already know the answer. I'm not big enough for his show. And he doesn't want to tell me that. He doesn't want to say it. He's not man enough to just have the conversation with me. Fine, I get it. But in, in my heart, like, I kind of want to ask and push for the no, like, but I, I know. I know, I knew the first time he didn't respond to that text that he was leery to it. The second time, I know he's avoiding it. We so have you know that.
1: We have that that want and that need to close that loop, right? But it's Dude, a lot the loop's of- closed.
2: You know it's closed. It's closed. It's fine. And, and he, if you keep accept- pushing, yeah, you, no- you
1: push people away.
2: Yeah, and there's no coming back from that. And like, it just doesn't make any sense, right? And I'm working with big Las Vegas entertainment group, and they have a ta- a timeshare uh, company, and they're really struggling because the the audience for timeshares isn't changing. From a traveler perspective, but it's the people that, that will succumb to that emotional buy in the moment, right? A timeshare needs you to get you on the property, get you all drunk and high and happy, and then have you sign on the dotted line right now, kind of without reading things, right? Like that's kind of the way the sales process has gone. Like they have to close you on the phone. You can't go research. It. And it's like, Hey, nobody buys like that anymore. And the people that you can get to buy like that are or are aging out and there's (laughs) few of them of their, like you can't run a business like that. And so for us to go through the process and be like, hey, you guys are gonna have to come up with value. Like surprise, surprise, timeshares do have value to a very large part of the population. You just gotta find those people and you gotta qualify them and like you gotta give them the value so they feel like I'm seeing it all. You won't need to close them the same way. Like they'll be like, great, I do travel this much. I do have kids. I would like to know- what my vacation plans will be for the next nine years. I don't want to have to worry about budgets. I don't want to like, okay, this works for you. And it's a brilliant idea, but that's lost. And so closing and follow up, if you start mixing those things together, people are like, urge, urge, alarm bells.
0: And trusting your intuition on it. I feel yeah. like we all have You know that, it. You know the loop sense. You know,
2: you know if they're going to close or not. You know it. So just, and you know, and you're better off, you're better off to pitch a hundred times getting the nose as fast as you can Cause then you're going to get to the S's as opposed to chasing the maybes and maybe you convert one, but it's like the amount of energy that you put into those maybes is just not worth it. And once you get, by the way, once your pitch gets faster and, and more efficient and, and simpler in that sense, like you'll be able to get it out more. You'll be able to happy about it. You'll feel more confident. You'll get to more people. They'll respond better. Like you won't even be chasing the maybes. You won't need it.
0: Now. Is this something you do with family and friends? Oh, and all the time. Are family and friends doing it on you?
2: Yes. My son does it to me <laughs> all the time. My wife's better at it. And you'll also find that I, like, You get better at hearing people's value. Like I can hear your statements of value so fast now that even when I'm talking to my friends and relatives, like I can hear what they're trying to say, and I want to stop them and be like, "Just stop talking. I've got it." Like (laughs) all the time, right? But my son knows how to do it now because he's figured it out. Where it's like, you know what, Dad wants? He just wants the information, so he just comes in. Dad, here's what I need. Here's why I want to do it. Here's what the protect. Like here's why it's gonna work out. Okay. Like if he wants to borrow my car, I have a really cool old muscle car and he's just like here's why i want to take it here's why it's important to me to take this car as opposed to drive my car or a different car here's the reason why you know it's gonna be okay because i've done this this and this in the past i've never let you down and it's like you're not gonna be using it like what he knows and it's just like Argh. i could say no just for the sake of saying no but like i don't really have a good excuse to say no i could say oh i don't want you driving my car but it's like that's not gonna work he's driven it before so He knows that brilliantly. And I've watched my wife do it with my, my parents, her in-laws, like trying to convince them of something. She's just like, okay, I'm not going to get emotional. I'm not going to get off track. I'm just going to like, here's what we want to do for vacation this year. Here's what we want you to be there. Like, and it's just like, yeah, it's like, it's so much better.
1: There's all these little skills that we tend to use all the time and we don't really know that. They can be developed. Yeah, storytelling is one of those things. We're all selling. We're all uh, we're always uh, pitching as well. And last month, our topic that we sat on and and went into was storytelling. Right, and I know that you had some insights on where to insert a good story around this for your yeah. pitch.
2: And because a lot of people think of storytelling in the, in a sort of like literal sense, as in I went here and then I did this, right? And that's fine. That is obviously a story. But storytelling is really the process of sort of like a breadcrumb trail of information that people can follow somewhere. They they follow your build of your characters. They follow the, the value of your product. Whatever they're following piece by piece, that's how storytelling is done. And so the place where it really makes a lot of sense is – I use what's called the reason for being, the opening. Like a lot of people ask, how do you open a pitch? And it's like, yeah, the small talk, blah, blah, blah. But the best way to open a pitch is the story of how you came to be involved with it. When did you think this was gonna be a good idea? Not claiming, oh my God, I've got something amazing for you, but just like, when did this happen to you? Like how, if you're sitting here gonna pitch or present something to someone, you've gone through a process that made you believe in it enough to have you sitting in this chair. So there's gotta be a reason And there's usually a story there that sets up that reason for being. And it's what, you know, and I explained from a Hollywood side, like there's a reason why Bambi's mom dies at the beginning (laughs) of the movie. It's not relevant to the story of Bambi. It doesn't have anything to do with that piece. It didn't have to happen then, but it does have to happen then to tell Bambi's story in a sense, because it sets up your reason for being. Here's why Bambi's alone. Here's why you should care. And that's kind of the setup. Like, what's your Bambi story? Like, how did you get here? Okay, now I know. This is how I want you to feel, and here we go. Like, you know what's coming, and you're like, okay. And you set the tone for that, right? And that's a great story. And then I usually try to have people do what's called the callback. Like, if you've ever watched a stand-up comedian, you know that there's a joke in the beginning that somehow they're bringing back where they use that punchline again, and it's good for a laugh, and they're really good at that. Whereas it's a little more subtle in movies and stuff, but there's always that callback, which is like, If the reason for being in the opening is why you thought it was good or when you believed it was going to be something good, what's the story of when you knew it was good? What's the story of when you realized, oh, wow, this really does work? I have to tell someone. Yeah. I have to share this. Or like the first time it really like resonated or you hit a sales goal or something that says, oh my God, I'm really onto something. So those two stories kind of bookend in there and they really do well because you tell the story of how we got here and how this is, And then I tell you what it is and how it works. And I show you some of the details and then I'll be like, and now you can see it, right? Like now I knew I had it. And that, that for me is that aha uh-huh moment. It's like, like, you almost want to say to people like, you see, you see what I'm saying? Like you understand, right? Like that's where that story helps, where you realize that it happened, that there was something there. And that piece is when you learn to use that breadcrumb trail style, you can make almost anything compelling.
0: You can make anybody listen if you do it right. If you just lead them in pieces. And it's easy to follow along. It's easy it's a to a straight follow. line shot. Yeah. Much like the pitch, the story has to be the same yeah. or we're already thinking about lunch.
2: It's, it's breadcrumbs. And if you start with breadcrumbs and feed it piece by piece, at some point, the person going to be like, holy shit, I just ate lunch. You know what I mean? Like that's the, I'm not going to use that later. <laughs> I'm use that on stage. That's a good one. Oh my God.
0: <laughs> Actually, before you go, we love to get. I'm here often, afternoon leaving. This is
2: fantastic. I love this.
0: We love to give our audience a challenge and you have a great challenge in the book called the telephone test. Yes. Can you share it with our audience for this week's challenge?
2: Only if they promise to do it because I have people that promise to do it and then I know they don't because it's a little bit of a pain in the ass. So because, what's
0: your social handle and they will hit you up okay, and let you know. That's how, right.
2: I'm at Brant Penvidic on any of the handles. You, I will help guide you through this because it's really valuable. What you do in the telephone test, the same as that telephone game that you used to play, I whisper to you, you whisper to him, he whispers to him, they whisper to her, and you see what comes back, right? You take your picture presentation, you call somebody that doesn't really know you that well, wouldn't know, and you give them the pitch, unadulterated, just square on its own, and you say, I need you to call somebody, pitch it to them, have them call somebody else, and then have them call one more person, and here's the number to call me back, right? And- you may actually have to like, uh, and we use, I do with clients like buy Starbucks gift card. I'll give you a $10 gift card. If you can do this, everybody who calls, you know, whatever you got to do, but you got to make them do the three or four layers. You can't have them call somebody and then, then call you back because it's like going to be a false positive. You need at least three layers. What you're going to find is what comes back to you on that phone call. Cause it's going to be someone that you don't even know. And they're going to be like, uh, okay, I'm supposed to call this number and pitch this idea thing that I heard. And you're like, okay, great i'm um, telling you what comes back is going to make you very uncomfortable because you'll be like what are you talking about that is not, <laughs> not it at all, right? <laughs> so then you go do it again and what you're going to find is first of all the stranger that calls you whatever information they're saying back that's what's resonating so some things be like, oh Don't wow okay it. they really like that part or that's that obviously resonates where they remember that but this was something i really wanted them to remember why didn't they let me see if I move it up in the process. Maybe that's more valuable than I thought, or maybe it's not something I need. You go back to your whack and you see that. If I promise you, if you do that telephone test three times, three different times with different people, which again, it could take you all day to do. The value of what comes back and what you'll feel like when that phone rings, And it's someone you don't know, and they pitch back your idea the way it went out. You will feel like you won the Super Bowl. I have been in (laughs) conference meetings with scientists that are jumping up and down, like splashing water on each other, like high-fiving, freaking out, because we've been sitting in a conference room waiting for the phone call to come back. And we spent $400 on gift cards to try to get people to do it. (laughs) And it's just such a powerful exercise. And like, again, it's easy to not do it. But man, the value of it is, it's world-class value for that's just a few hours. And that's what happens
0: before. with your idea. Yeah.
2: It's, by the way, it's battle <laughs> testing I got news it. for you. That's what happens. It's just, they're not calling you back. Right. When they do call you back, they don't pitch the idea back. They just go, yeah, it's not for us. Or like, oh, they said no. Right. Like that's what's happening out there.
0: Very good point.
2: I'm going to use that too, by the way.
0: And with your thoughts on practicing the pitch, is there a guideline you have, a threshold for yourself? Obviously the telephone test is fantastic. Yeah. That you know, okay, this is ready for me to go in that room.
2: I mean, it's, once you get that, like if you get the telephone test back, you're ready. And you can try it out. And I, and I like I always tell people, like, hey, it's, it's three minutes. You should be trying out on a lot of people. And, you know, the one thing you'll probably find is people interrupt you. And they say like, oh, what about this? Or how did this go? And it's like, oh, wait, I'm getting to that in a minute. Okay, that's when you know one of two things. Because I've now learned there are some other options and just you don't have it in the right order. You could be pitching an idiot. It does happen. I've had it happen in TV many, many times. <laughs> so it's like, okay, you're just a moron and you just want to jibber jabber. You're not really interested. I have had that happen enough to me and I think I'm pretty good at this. So I'm like, okay, so I'll give you a pass. If that happens and you're genuinely pitching an idiot, that could happen. But most times it's because your breadcrumbs are not quite in the order and they get to the end of the breadcrumb line and they go, wait, I'm still hungry. And you're like, wait, wait, wait I-, I got more breadcrumbs for you. And so it helps you do that. When you feel like you can get through it confidently you're ready to unleash it because the, the downside is really small if you have something elaborate that you've built this whole performance downside is big when you get it wrong if you're just talking information your information is not going to change that much no matter how many times you rehearse it not much bad can happen if the person understands it it doesn't matter how many times you explain it or how well you explain it. if they understand it they understand it now it's yes or no like and that's, that's really where you want to be
0: Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, this man. has been a lot of fun.
2: I love this. You guys are fantastic.
0: Where can our audience find more about you and how to work with you?
2: Yeah, I'm easy to find at Brant Pimvidic on any of the social stuff. Or you can always go to the 3 com and connect to me there. I, I love talking to people. I'll respond to anything you send me as long as it's less than three minutes. <laughs> I always say. Um, but I, I love interacting with people and it's just like, it's that time in my life where I'm like, ooh, I'm not making widgets anymore like TV was for me. It's like, I get to interact with different people doing different things. People are really passionate about their stuff. There's a genuine frustration they have. And it's like unlocking that for people is is a little addictive. So I'm, I'm totally into it.
0: And that's what I loved about the book, the stories of all these different industries that's and your ability wild, to right? unlock it. And the simple tools in the book that allow yeah. you to take that idea and get it out there.
2: Yeah, I'm having a blast.
0: So Thank you so much. Absolutely, Brilliant. guys. What a great episode. I love Brant's energy, and I could see how effective he is at pitching. He's certainly just one of those guys
1: who walks in the room, and and when we were talking about the stronger frame dissolves the weaker one, I could feel the energy shift to to his energy, and it was great because I certainly needed to pick up. It's Monday. Things were moving a little slow, and I had a lot of work to do this morning, and he snapped me right out of
0: it. Now, we always love the fan mail from you listeners. You can send us emails, questions at theartofcharm.com. We got another shout out from a recent Core Confidence graduate. Now, Core Confidence is our eight-week online coaching program. I know a lot of our listeners write us saying, hey, I can't make it out to LA. I can't commit to a week. We have group coaching available. It's called Core Confidence. You can learn more at theartofcharm.com slash core. Now, Jenny was a part of the team that had put together a big presentation for a project at our university. She was part of the research team for the presentation. Then someone else made the PowerPoint presentation, and then one member prepared to do the actual presentation in front of a huge audience. Except that person got the jitters, bailed just minutes before the start. So Jenny stepped up and gave that presentation totally without prep work and without even seeing the slides before. did a fantastic job, got compliments from the other presenters and the audience afterwards, and her team walked out with the best grade of all the teams presented. Well done, Jenny. And I know that with Core Confidence, with all of our coaching programs, we're about giving you the skills to do just that, to walk into the room and nail it. Jenny, it's just so wonderful
1: to hear that. And and of course, we had talked uh, during the Core Confidence
0: program, and it's just wonderful to hear that story. Now, if you're new to the show and you want to learn more about what we teach here at The Art of Charm, Check out our toolbox episodes, much like Jeff and his son, the slash toolbox. That's where you'll get the fundamentals of networking, persuasion and influence such as body language, eye contact, vocal tonality, and a host of other things. We've got boot camps running every single month here in sunny California. Details on those at theartacharm.com. Also, could you do us and the entire
1: Art of Charm team a big favor? Could you go on over to iTunes and rate this podcast and leave us a review it would really help others find it and get as much value
0: as you have. The Art of Charm podcast is produced by Michael Harold and Eric Montgomery and engineered by Sam Jay and Bradley Denham at Cast Media Studios in sunny downtown Hollywood. I'm AJ. And I'm Johnny. And we'll see you here next week.